Would you turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's the master of all. But he is under guardian stewardship until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Hebrew for daddy. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Today's Father's Day, and one of the great things to do would be to honor our Father God. Amen. Amen. So that is something that not only we want to do today, we want to do it Every day. Amen. Amen. And uh, God had a plan. And he's still working that plan out. And his plan is to have a family. And that family is made up of grown, mature sons and daughters of God. Now, you notice that he points something out here about children. He says that children do not understand that they're heirs. Children do not understand that all that the father has is theirs. Now, notice something about an inheritance. An heir receives inheritance. Amen? Notice that anyone who receives an inheritance doesn't earn it. They receive it by birth how many are born again here when you were born again you were born again into the family you were born into the family spiritually the word born again in the greek simply means the divine power the divine nature of god imparted to us from above but at the same time that you were born again of the Spirit, you then became a child of God. You then became an heir to the inheritance. Why? Because you were born into the family. God now became and is your father. Before he wasn't. No one in the old covenant, no one before the cross was ever a son or a daughter of God, other than Jesus. No one, no one could be a son or daughter of God because the truth of it is no one could measure up to God's standard to be one. Because God's standard to be in the family is his standard, not our standard. He does not grade on a curve. 
There is not good enough. Amen? There's only His righteousness. And that standard of righteousness. Now you'll notice in Galatians that Jesus was born under the law. Why? That law is His standard of righteousness. That's God's standard. And the standard is you do it all 24-7 your whole life. And if you sin one time, which is a violation of the law, you are guilty of all of it. He doesn't grade on a curve. We do. We think one sin's worse than another. I assure you, the penalty is the same for lying and murder. Death. But hallelujah, we've been delivered from that. Amen. We have come out of death into life. Now what did Jesus do? He came under the law. He fulfilled the entire law for us. God didn't abolish his standard. He didn't throw it out and say, I was wrong about that. No. Jesus came and he was born under the law. He fulfilled the law and he paid for everything the law required on the cross. He paid. Everything for us. So by one man's obedience, Jesus, we're made righteous. We're made children of God. We're made to have the inheritance. Amen? Amen. It's not a beggar situation. It isn't even, oh, if God makes up his mind. He has already made up his mind. Amen? Amen. Now, the question on the table, then, is this. Why is God limited, then? If I asked you this question right now, can God do anything? You'd all go, yeah, he can do anything. Can God do the impossible? And you'd all go, yeah, he can do the impossible. So therefore, God is unlimited. There is no limit in God. There's no limit to what he can do. Then the question is, what does limit God? Well, then it would have to be us, wouldn't it? But how does that happen? Turn over to Colossians with me, uh, chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Everybody there? As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk. Everybody say walk. Walk in Him. Now, as you have received Jesus as Lord, do you know that if I took 500 people, or better yet, everyone in this room, and I asked you, who's Jesus? I'd venture to guess I'd get a different answer from everybody. 
and the answer could, absolutely every answer could be correct. However, what's the difference then? The difference is that how have you received him as Lord? In other words, what do you think it means to have Jesus as Lord of your life? How have you received that? Now the question then becomes this, and understand this. Everything we receive from God, we receive by believing. So this here, as you believe concerning Jesus as Lord, walk in him. Well, the question now becomes, what do you believe? What do you believe what it means that Jesus Christ is Lord? The heart of the gospel, the good news, is Jesus is Lord. If you confess Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, he's raised from the dead, you are saved. Amen? What does it mean that Jesus is your Savior? There's a spiritual principle in the Word of God that everyone should know and never, ever think that it works any differently than this. It's called the law of measurement. How I measure is how it's measured back to me. How I measure Jesus as Lord is how it's measured back to me. So I'm the determining factor, aren't I? Because after all, we know the Lord can do anything. We know there's nothing impossible for Him. He can heal any disease. How about yours? How about yours? He can set free anybody from any sin. He can provide any need. He can take care of any problem. He can cause your life to be worry-free, fretful-free, never getting up in the morning going, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? He can do that. And we all agree that he can do that. But how about you? How about me? I ministered to a person one time who said to me, I, I've read John 3.16. I know what it says. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He said, I got no problem with God loving the entire world. I believe that. My problem is, I don't know he loves me. And how many of you know that's the issue, isn't it? The fact that he loves the whole world, glory to God, that's wonderful. But what about me? I'm pretty unlovable. Because <laughs> I know me better than anyone else. See? 
Jesus is Lord, and the Lord can take care of anything. And the Lord has the first word and the last word on everything because he's Lord. And his words have the highest authority. His words cannot be trumped by anybody else's words. So, well, how so? It doesn't matter how much unbelief people are in. The word of God always works. Amen? So as I receive him, as I believe. Now, we ran into a bunch of people in Jesus' time, didn't we? We ran into the Pharisees. We ran into the Sadducees. We ran into the, the Gentile Samaritan. We ran into a bunch. Some thought he was a teacher. Some thought he was a prophet. Most thought he can't be God. God's in heaven. He can't be the Son of God. That would make him equal with, with, the, with God. What was happening with all of them? As you receive... Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Listen, listen to me very carefully. It says, the word of God says, receive him, believe, and then walk. What does that mean to walk in him? Galatians chapter 5 says, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? But do we actually understand what that means to walk in the Spirit, or as I receive Jesus, walk? It means you order your conduct, your manner of living, your way of life after the Spirit. Now, if anyone says to me, I, I'm not, I, I just let the Spirit, I don't get it, I don't understand all that. I just told you, you were sons and daughters of God. And the Word of God says, if you're a son or daughter of God, you're led by the Spirit. You're entitled to be. You understand? You're entitled to it. Because God's our Father, and because He's made us sons and daughters of His, we're entitled to be led by His Spirit. Without earning it. Without being good enough to be led. Let me tell you the fastest way not to be led of the Spirit. Try to earn it. Hmm? I love the gospel. You know what I love about it? It's freely given. Because, see, I know there's no way for me to measure up to that standard. I tried. Failed miserably. Why? Because we can't. You understand? We can't. We can believe. And we believe that Jesus did it for us. 
you get to heaven, and if, if Peter were standing at the gate, which we take license there, but if he were, and he said, why should I let you in? You best say it's who I know. Because <laughs> nothing else going to work. <laughs> Amen? That's the answer. I'm healed by the stripe of Jesus because of who I know. Not what I did or didn't do. Amen? See, the gospel is good news. Okay? <laughs> good news. It, the gospel's not, oh man, what is it I didn't do? The gospel is not beating yourself up. The gospel is not if, if, if paying for your sin. You cannot. There's no way. Amen? So quit it. Stop it. Quit that. Stop trying to be good enough to hear what he's saying. Just know you're a son of God. He's given you ears to hear and hear. Amen? What does that mean? What does that mean to walk in it? Now, let me get this in the right order for you. Don't you leave here without understanding this. I believe first, I receive, then I walk. Otherwise, I can't walk. You understand what I'm saying to you? Hello. <laughs> Amen? I receive Christ Jesus as Lord, and I receive Christ Jesus as Lord, I believe in my heart He is Lord of all. And that causes me, that's what causes me to order my walk. You're not going to walk healed until you believe you're healed. You get that? You hear what I'm saying? See, this is this is about the, the, the limitation that is put on by us on God, which limits is the limitation of unbelief. What is that unbelief? It's not disbelief. It's unbelief. It's believing something other than what Lord Jesus said. Hmm? Believe in what my neighbor told me. Believing what my cousin told me. Believe in what my family member told me. Believing what some person <laughs> told you and not the Lord when I honor Jesus as Lord and I receive him as Lord every word he speaks is gold 
Every word that he speaks is elevated, in my estimation, above everything, especially mine. We tend to get caught in a trap. We start thinking our words are the most important. <laughs> and that becomes a problem. What I have to say. You need to hear what I have to say. Really? <laughs> no. I would rather hear what Jesus has to say. But you can see how the law of measurement comes into place. How I measure his words. Now the Bible talks about not despising prophecy. And I've had pastors tell me this, where the wonderful flow of the prophetic goes on in their churches and so forth and so on, and then the prophetic conferences and so forth. Here's the one thing they'll say. I'm frustrated a little bit about what's going on. I said, well, it's happening. Well, we have prophecies and people receive them. He's, and this this number, I don't know where the number comes from. I do the same thing. I'll pull a percentage out. It's a guess. <laughs> 97%. I don't know where that figure comes from. It just gets lost, wasted. I thought it was big. <laughs> and he he may have been referring in this one case. So their belief is nine out of ten prophetic words that are given to people from the Lord, thus saith the Lord, goes to waste. It does not bear fruit in their life. It does not happen. You see, you cannot handle a prophetic word from God any differently than you handle this written word. You believe it, you receive it, and you exercise your faith for it. If you hear a prophetic word from the Lord and you just throw it up in the air and go, hey, well, if God wants to do it so he can do it, that's not going to happen. The Bible calls that despising prophecy. Sometimes the word uses words we wouldn't use. <laughs> Because they sound harsh. But then God always says what he means. And again, I believe the word of God is inerrant, no error in the original language. Hebrew and the old, Greek and the new. I believe the translators, they got a little bit off here and there. And I can show you, if we had a couple of days, many places where they're wrong in the way they translate, but not in the original. So God had a purpose in bringing it in Hebrew and Greek, and he also had the bigger purpose, purpose of putting the author in us Amen. so we could get it right. Amen. Amen. See, I, there's three definitions with me. There's the Hebrew and the Greek, there's the Webster's Dictionary, and then there's the Holy Spirit definition. Amen. That's the one that works. Amen. All right. We don't want to limit. How many of you don't want to limit God? I got the right group for sure. 
And it doesn't have to happen if we understand, okay, that it's incumbent upon us to participate. So if you get a word from the Lord, and the beauty of words from the Lord is they're very specific to us. And if it's if it's truly, uh, in many cases, a word, it confirms what you already know. It's the greatest place of confirmation. Amen. It's better than any circumstance. Because those circumstances will lie to you sometimes. God will never lie. Amen. Amen? And that's what's so great about it, that you can be confident because you'll go here and you get a word, you go over here and they don't know them over there. Oh, that's great. You get a word, it's the same. Only God can know. Amen? However, let me just throw in two things. It must line up with the written word. And it also must, you must have a witness the same spirit that gave you that word is the same spirit that's in you. So you're not going to get something that's totally off the planet Earth, okay? Thus saith the Lord, I'm going to send you to Mars. Uh-uh. Not going to happen. You're at the river and you need to cross the river, and a hundred yards away there's a bridge. Thus saith the Lord, walk across the river. Uh-uh, take the bridge. Why? Because God, whenever the natural is exhausted itself, here he comes. So if God told you to go across the river, and there's no way for you to get over there, you walk on that water and go across. But if he told you to go across the river, and there's a bridge there, Take the bridge. See, one of the things that I'm trying, the Lord instructed me, but teach the people what presumption is and keep them out of it. That's a real ugly place, and it disguises itself like faith. All right? Presumption disguises itself like faith. Faith is always God has already done it. Presumption is he will do it. You got that? God said to the nation of Israel, I have given you the promised land. Before they even got close to the River Jordan. Amen? Amen? That's the reason why in order to operate in faith, to receive a healing by faith, it must be he has already healed you. It can't be, well, if I go over here, if I go here, he will heal me. That's presumption. You cannot presume upon God that you can make him do something because you did something else. 
And that's where there's a lot of trouble where faith is concerned. Huh? You getting this? Because I'm going to tell you something. When you're out there on that presumption, you start looking around. It's scary. I'll tell you what I've done when I've done that. Lord, mercy. Mercy. Please, mercy. Okay, son. (laughs) Amen. Don't move till you've heard. Don't go out and do something in the name of faith and you're doing this because God then will. Ooh. Jesus was tempted that way. The devil, Satan himself, facing up to Jesus, said, the Word of God says that angels will camp about you or protect you. Jump off this cliff. And God will. And Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. God is not obligated to do anything that he hasn't told you already that he did it. Now, his mercy is fabulous. I have another whole teaching. Before and after faith, there's mercy. (laughs) Amen. And he'll show you and he'll teach us and he'll, all right, come on, let's fix this up and so forth. However, his expectation in growing up sons and daughters of his is that we don't go do it again. We gain wisdom from that and we begin to understand how he has uh, set it up, if you will. Amen. And because of that, a lot of people have gotten hurt. Because of that presumption, because of that, including the person in the presumption. Amen. So it isn't, I'm going to do this, and God will. No. See, our giving, for example, how many of you want to give in faith and not presumption? Anybody here? Because you see, it's wonderful. The body of Christ, is, there's so many givers. It's, it's wonderful. But hey, time to reap. You can learn all about the Bible just watching the farms. (laughs) The farmer, he goes out there and he sows seed in the ground. And he's not looking at the seed. He's not hoping there's going to be a crop. He knows there's going to be one. So what does he see or she see when they sow? When they plant? 
they see the harvest before they sow. We, on the other hand, we get all worried about the seed. Man, I don't know. I give that seed to that ministry. I'm not sure I agree with what they do. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, hush up. That's God's business. I guarantee you, God can take care of any ministry, one way or the other, a whole lot better than we can. And don't bother fretting yourself over it. Amen? He tells you to sow, you sow. Amen? You give. But your eyes on the harvest. Well, I don't want to be selfish. You mean you don't want to have more than enough so you can bless every person that you come around? That ever, God brings you people all the time and you're, and the person comes up and they have a financial need and they say, pray with me for my financial need. And so you pray and then you go, here, there's the answer. Amen. See, I have to say these things and I have to plant this seed. And I want that to get in you so that you have a vision of you doing that. So that your vision, another limiting, our vision limits God. He can only work through us to the extent of our what? Vision. Vision always speaks. Amen? My people perish for lack of vision. God's way of working to us. He puts the vision in us. And He expects us to tend to that vision. He expects us to write that vision down. And He expects us to pray over that vision. Now, I'm talking to people who don't want to limit God, okay? All right? Am I talking to the right group? And I guarantee you, the vision that He puts in your heart is not going to be one that you can do. He took Abraham out there and he showed him the stars. And I'll tell you what, watch out. Don't pull an Abraham. He got to a point where he thought he could do it and got Ishmael. And they're over there now. That flesh is a nasty thing when it produces something. Huh? You with me? You hear me? We believe the vision, we write the vision, we pray over the vision. He brings it to pass. Amen? He brings it to pass. When God gives you a vision, that vision comes to pass, you're going to know in your heart, and you're not going to be tempted to stand up and say, I did anything. All the glory. And when it says in the Word of God, that vision will speak. When that vision speaks, it'll speak of Jesus is Lord. It'll speak that God's not dead. He's alive and well, and He's moving. He's very involved. Amen? Go to the Lord. Wash out.
all your ideas. I used to pray, and I do pray, Lord, fill me with the knowledge of your will. Fill me with the knowledge of your will. He spoke to me one day and said, I can only fill you with the knowledge of my will to the extent you empty yourself of your own. Your desires have to go. Your ideas have to go. Your thoughts have to go. It all has to go. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for the grace to let it all go because I want... What you, your vision. Because deep in my heart, I know his vision's way better than anything I could dream up. Amen. It may, uh, it may cause you to dwell, but don't dwell too long. Don't talk yourself out of it. That's why it's believe. Believe. Now we said, God can do anything. Nothing's impossible for God. Now, certainly the vision he gives you, however far it is out of our reach, is not a problem for him. Amen? Don't allow the devil or anybody else abort your vision. Because the vision is a seed. And he put it in you, and you, and you, and you, and you. He's tend to that vision. Water that vision. Praise God over that vision. Speak the word over that vision that it grows. Amen? See, faith is the substance of the thing hoped for. The vision, the thing hoped for, the vision you see in here, the vision that God puts in you. Faith is the substance, the title deed, the substance, I have it. And the evidence of the thing not seen. It's not seen out here, but I sure see it. I see it in here. God gave me that. He put that there. I see that in there. The evidence of the thing not seen. What, who, what evidence? You call, you call witnesses to give evidence. What do they do? They testify. Are you willing to testify? I've had times where I spoke the vision to a group of people and they all got scared. Yeah, they're going to walk up and say, you can't do that. You're going to get somebody. Enemy's going to take a shot. Why? Because he wants to steal it from you. He steals it from you. As I say, usually, you're back to the drawing board. Are you hearing me? God's got a wonderful vision for all of you. He also has a wonderful vision for this work. Now, let me share something with you really powerful. 
Want to hear something really powerful that doesn't limit God? Here it is. You take this ministry, and God brings people to it, but not only just to receive and get built up, but to be a part of the vision. Now, if you can get a group of people to see the same vision, you're unstoppable. And when they see the same vision, you know what they start doing? They start talking the same. They're in a, there is no devil in hell. I don't care who he assigns that can stop that from coming to pass. I mean, that's like an avalanche on hell. That's the thing the enemy's the most scared of. He can get maybe one person down for a day. He ain't getting everybody down. And those other people come up and pick up that other person. Come on, let's go. I'm praying that the body of Christ adopts the same attitude that our military has. Leave no man behind. There's no such thing as a member of the body of Christ, the family of God being too wounded to go on. Amen? And we just said nothing's impossible for God, didn't we? That's, that's like a piece of cake. Oh, come on. A healing, bam, 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 intravenous word, you're on your way. <laughs> Amen. Now, look at Colossians 2 again. As, the, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. The number one, the number one act of faith, expression of faith, is thanksgiving. Because when you give thanks... It's because you already have it. It's because you already have it. See, when I'm ministering to brothers and sisters in the Lord, and there's not a gratefulness in their heart, and there's not a thanksgiving in their mouth, what is the problem? They've got a faith problem. They're not a bad person. They're not a throwaway. They're not any of that. But they have a faith problem. So what? Rooted and grounded and built up in faith. See, there's something, a lie of the enemy. There's an unbelief of an enemy. There's something there that's hindering that faith. Amen? Now, God has given a measure of faith to everyone. It's never you don't have faith. Ever. And it's never you don't have enough. Ever. You have the exact measure of faith that God uh, God gave you 
for everything. It's not using it. It's like I have the inheritance, there's a million dollars in the bank, and I don't know it. What good's it going to do me? 30 years later, someone says, oh, by the way, you have a million in the bank. What good did it do me for 30 years? So it's real good to know what the Word of God has given you, isn't it? And then it's real good to use it. You can have the million in the bank, but if you don't go in there and take it, it never do you any good. Lord said that to me one time. He, and I said, teach me about this, Lord, to receive. He said, I'm like the bank. He said, when you give your tithes and your offerings and you... And, and do that, he says, you're putting deposits in the bank of heaven. Didn't Jesus say that? Yeah. Store up in heaven where moth and rust can't corrupt. There's no, no downturn of the economy in heaven. There's no inflation to make the money worth less. There's none of that. Amen? And God said, I'm like the bank. He said, I account for it. I keep it safe. He said, I'm better than the bank, though, because I multiply it. He said, but again, you can have all the money you need in the bank, but until you make a withdrawal, you ain't going to have it. So God says, how much you need? Some of you just kind of went... Trust me, I've tried different ways. I'm telling you what works. Okay? <laughs> it works the way he tells you it works. Amen? And it's in the Word. It's all there written down. All of it. Now I'm going to get back. I didn't forget. Giving the offering in faith. Versus in presumption or otherwise. You and I, we do not give tithes and offerings and so forth. To get God to do anything. We give it because he has already blessed us. Well, it doesn't look like it to me that he... It has nothing to do with what you see. It has to do with what? How you have received what you believe. See? God has blessed everyone in this room to, to the point where you have more than enough. Well, I'm looking at my bank account. It don't look like it. It doesn't matter. What matters is what God said. Some people live with uh, not enough. Some people live with just enough. Prosperous live with more than enough. Why? So that I have to give. I have to bless. I have to see the gospel go forth. God is using me in that way. I trust, I trust uh, the Spirit of God within Christians. I, I have no reason to believe that if you had uh, thousands and uh, millions of dollars, you're going to run off the reservation and go crazy. 
You know, that warning's there way too much. Huh? You've heard it. I know you've heard it. It's crazy. Well, God has a way to deal with that just in case. Be faithful in little, and you can be faithful in more. The question was asked of me, what would you do if Gordon came in and gave you a million dollars right now? I said, I really can't answer that question. I said, I'd rather answer it when the million's here. And I said, because I think there's things we can't answer until we're there. We think we'll do. We intend it. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. And I was praying over that, and the Lord said to me, don't be concerned about the million. What are you going to do with the hundred I just gave you? You can't give the hundred. Believe me, the million ain't going to be there. God never violates his word. But I've seen people buckle down, get with it, and and put those finances in order, God's order, and sow that and sow in faith and speak over that, the blessing over it, Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. See, the money stays here. Your words go to heaven. Jesus takes those in front of the Father. Your words. It says so in Hebrews chapter 7 and 8. Study it. It'll make you prosperous. Amen? But it's back to that law of measurement. If I'm going to go ahead and and plant seed, if I'm going to give, whether that's even money, time, uh, clothing, whatever it is, and I'm going to measure it in such a way as oh, I don't really, I don't really want to harvest. I ever heard a farmer do that. Amen? It's time. It's time for the body of Christ to step up to where God wants us to be. It's time for us to grow up to that place where God wants us to be and and operate and function on earth just like Jesus did. Got any takers? Amen. 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 And that first step is how you receive Jesus as Lord. So walk in it. Let me give you an example of walking in it so we can get this tied together. God has made us righteous. 
Jesus has made it. We have Jesus' righteousness. Amen? Amen? We're as right with God as Jesus is. Amen? Amen? Apart from anything we do, any works we do, we dare not go to the Father and hold up any of our works. Yeah, but Lord, I did this and this and this. You should heal me. Wrong. Beep. We certainly don't want what we deserve on that score. Amen? So I'm not about to go before the Father in anything other than Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and I'm in Him. Amen? The moment I hold up any of my... I was real good today, Lord. Really? (laughs) See? Now, if I go to Him in that righteousness, then that's going to cause me to walk in a particular way. I used this example before, and 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 it's a good We have six children, but they're all up and out on their own. They're doing great and so forth and so on. And our two oldest boys, Joe and Dave, they're like 35 and 33, close. I'm not, I don't hold myself accountable for their exact ages. There's six of them. Uh, the youngest, Michael, he's just had his birthday. He's like 21, 22, like that. Anyway, it's an amazing thing when I watch them function as they relate to us. What do I mean by that? Well, they're out of the house. They have their own houses and we have four grandchildren, praise the Lord. And we're sitting there in the living room, maybe listening to music or something. And don't you know Joe, the oldest, he comes walking up to our front door and he just throws that door open walks in. He doesn't knock. He doesn't beg. Nothing. He just opens the door walks in. Then he goes to the refrigerator. What do you got to eat? <laughs> And then you know what he does? He takes stuff out, makes a sandwich. He hasn't yet asked us anything. He does say hi. (laughs) See? My goodness. Who does he think he is? I'll tell you what he thinks he is. He thinks he's our son. And he has a right to come in there and make a sandwich. And I want to tell you something. He didn't stand at the door to figure that out. He didn't go, let's see now. I said please five times to my mother. I said thank you to my dad five times. And I went and did, and I fixed the, I changed the oil in his car for him. Maybe they'll make me a sandwich. What is what is he believes in his heart that he's right with us no matter what. And you know what? He walks accordingly. And don't you know he's sitting there, here comes Dave the second oldest son, he just throws that door open. <laughs> comes walking in, he goes, Sandwich. Goes to the refrigerator. 
Makes himself one. And they're sitting there at our table. And you know, they never asked to sit there. They just sat down and started eating. How dare them? And you know what we said? Glad to see you guys. Do you suppose Father God would get upset with us if we acted that way with him? I don't think so. I don't think he would mind at all since the table is full. He he has, what's the psalm say? He spread a table in the presence of our enemy. Sit down. Amen? Oh, I don't know if I should. Uh, uh, I lied two weeks ago. Well, you know what our youngest son did? Boy, I'm telling you, I, he was still living with us. He's the last one to move out, of course. And his mother would say to him, clean your room. I think that's the nationwide epidemic with children. <laughs> clean your room. I don't know many that haven't had the problem, and I have no idea why it's so tough for them to clean their room. You know, she w- he didn't clean his room. He left and he went. He was uh, attending uh, college at the time, living at home. He left for classes, and he did not clean his room. She went in there and cleaned it. Then he comes home. After not cleaning his home, room in direct disobedience to what we said, and he goes to her, Mom, make me a sandwich. <laughs> but you know what else? She made him one. What do you want on it, Mike? After he didn't clean his room. You know, we go to the Father sometimes, and we clean our room. <laughs> and he says, come on in. You don't understand. God can't look upon sin. He cannot. Hey, he went looking for Adam. Adam just didn't handle it real well, because if he'd answered when, when God said, Adam, what would you do? He never fessed up. But he went looking for him. Amen? Now, put this together now. My, the boys knew in their heart that no matter what, they, they would always be our children, always be our son. Always be welcome. Because in their heart they did that, they walked. Because if there was anything in their heart by way of doubt, if there was anything that they had measured their place in our family in a different way, they would have altered their behavior. You get that? Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? 
Do you know who you are? You want a definition of holiness? Anybody hear all about that? Holiness, holiness, holiness. Holiness is never being less than who you are. God's mercy, and he's never less than mercy. God is love, and he's never less than love. He deals with us, not based on our performance. He deals with us from who he is. Amen? Never being less than who you are. Amen. How many of you have a vision from God? Your vision. You have it. How about it's time to start seeing it to come to pass? You ready for that? You just got a little wiggle here and there. We got to kind of straighten the wiggle out. Amen. Some of you, you need the vision resurrected. Because in your heart, it's dead. It's about to come alive. Now, listen to me very carefully. Put no trust in the flesh. No trust in yourself. Paul said, I don't have any confidence in the flesh. And because I have no confidence in the flesh, I experience the resurrection power of Jesus in me. Okay? Stop thinking how you're going to do it. And stop thinking why you can't. Stop thinking that altogether. Amen? I'm going to pray right now, and as I pray right now, the resurrection power is going to work. It's going to make that vision alive. Now bring it back to life. See, every time that God speaks to us, there's life in the words. And every time that he speaks to you, there's enough power in those words that he speaks to you to make it come to pass. He just, uh, he just, we just don't want to limit. No limit. Don't limit. Okay? Don't start thinking, how's that going to happen? Don't start thinking, I can't get those out. Well, how do, I, how do I get those out? In the name of Jesus, you have no right to be in my mind. Get out. And now, mind, you, you think on what I tell you to think on. You're the boss over your mind. It isn't boss over you. Jesus said, in your patience, possess your own soul. Amen? Hallelujah. I tell my mind, shut up. Shut up. Just shut up in the name of Jesus. Now you think on this word right here. Sometimes you got to get violent. <laughs> <laughs> Father,
Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the vision that you've given to each one. And I thank you, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak life to every vision now. Life to the vision. Live in the name of Jesus. Live in the name of Jesus. Live. Live vision in the name of Jesus. Live in the name of Jesus. Live. Live. Live in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your resurrection power. Thank you, Lord, right now. Now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Resurrection power in the name of Jesus.